Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to, I would say, a very special episode of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and we'll kind of just leave it there. I'm going to skip all the business and those sort of things today. You can go to the show notes, and I'm sure that the Linktree link is there, and it will send you to all the various other podcasts and programs. But I really just want to get to today's episode. It's with a couple of people that I would consider very good friends, Duff and Kara Dyer, and they uh, have an amazing family, and they are they are literally in the middle of a grieving process as they unfortunately are dealing with the loss of their daughter, Emma. And so they come on this episode and they wanted to, they wanted to do this episode because they wanted to talk about just all of the things that, that led up to the, the place that they are in now and, um, and the difficult things that have happened as well as the, some of the miracles that have happened that have actually even brought them close together in a time when other people may have absolutely crumbled. I don't even want to go into much more. I just want you to know that that Duff is a very funny guy. Kara, I think, kind of keeps him reined in a lot of times. And so just know that these two are just being as honest and open. And uh, I know it sounds cliched at times, but as vulnerable as two people can be that are going through a situation like this. And I feel like I don't even have to put my my therapy hat on and say this, but I just feel like what an opportunity for people that are listening to this podcast who will, I'm sure, hope that they will never have to go through anything like this, but to suspend their judgment and just observe and listen and empathize and, and I think if you can do that, and if you catch yourself saying, well, why did they, or I would have, or why wouldn't somebody, then just recognize that. And that's part of the human experience. We all do that. But just set aside those, uh, those judgments and just really lean in with empathy and try to, try to just understand what this must have been like for these two people. And then when you can do that, you can understand what amazing growth and what a gift that they're able to to give to others by sharing not only what uh, they've been through, but a lot more about the the life of their daughter, Emma, as well. I think that you're going to really get a lot from this episode, and I, I welcome your feedback, and they welcome any of your questions that you'll have at the after you've heard this, and they are open to coming back on and, and maybe even answering some questions, whether it's a live Q&A, or if you want to submit your questions, you can do so to info at tonyoverbay.com or contact at tonyoverbay.com. But I think that 
you will absolutely get so much from today's episode. So let me just get right to it. Here's an interview with, with my friends Duff and Kira Dyer. And I might even take my glasses off and put them in the corner of my mouth. Wow. So you look really, very official. Yes, when I want to look yeah. very, wow. very smart. It's very therapist-like. Thank you. <laughs> okay, but this is interviewer today. All right. I had a home teaching companion once that when he would get tired while we were there, the way he would keep himself awake was he'd pull his glasses off and he'd rub his around his eyes with them. I think somehow, that would be sleepy. Somehow it didn't put him to sleep. Yeah. Right. Like, And that's when I knew. He was close. Okay. Yeah, that was his signal. <laughs> when you would see that. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you, okay, we got to wrap this up. I have I have been known to pinch the inside of my leg, like a good so therapist like, stay will. Awake. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Now I feel like I work with clients I like enough that I'm engaged in their lives and stories. Right. Yeah. But when you're going through the ranks, sometimes you're like, really? That's like, that's oh, what's in... That's matter of fact, good segue. I feel like that's what you find is so problematic in your life, <laughs> you know, where somebody's saying, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. I would jump up and go, wow, tell me more. But today... I feel like that I will be very engaged. <laughs> Keep an eye on the fingers. Exactly. Yeah, if I start going to my inner yeah. thigh and pinching. Yeah. Right. You know, it was yeah, a rough day when your thigh is like all bruised up. Yes. Yes. Your wife probably knows. Tough day today, huh, bud? Oh. One. I got one. Okay. That usually they're followed like in quick succession. So I stopped that one. I'm, I'm not, not going to count it. I'm not going to give them away. No. Yeah. You can't just. No. Right at the beginning. I got to earn them. No. Yeah. Okay. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves then? Let's do that. That, that Go way. ahead. Okay. Uh, just as individuals or fam, like I don't know how to do that. Yeah, yeah. My name is Kira Dyer. <laughs> um, Ooh, she fun. I grew up in a really small rural town in eastern Idaho. What was the town? Southeast Idaho, Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. Okay. Three brothers. But how big though? Because uh, when you go look at the, the demographics of the podcast, Idaho is is pretty high up there on the old virtual couch listeners. Her town so, population. Four. It's so small. How Every time we it? visit, they do change the population number. Is it going up or down? He likes that joke. They literally, literally keep track. about 400. Okay. <laughs> sometimes 398, oh, sometimes 402. Okay. Yeah. Depends on who's in town for the weekend. Exactly. Or who had a baby and or who passed away. There you go. Yeah, okay. literally. Yeah, 400. But you went to Rigby High. Went to Rigby okay, High. so I've heard of Rigby. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Rigby's pretty big, actually. Okay. In between Idaho Falls and Rexburg. And oh, okay. What was your mascot? The Trojans. And why is that funny? Because we had the biggest um, pregnancy... Right per, per capita. capita. <laughs> and, and yet they were the Trojans. Anyway. <laughs> Two. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> it's okay. not bad. Uh, what else? Um, Where'd we meet? Then we met at uh, Rick's College. Oh, Rick's? Okay. 1994 when we yeah. met. So yeah. We met the last day of summer. Like mm-hmm. school was starting the next day. And Rick's was at the two-year, right? At that time? At the time it was still about 12,000 kids. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And when we met... I actually met her hand more than her because no one needs that story. Well, no, it's fun. <laughs> no, that's boring. No, it's fun. No, it's <laughs> real quick. We, a couple of us went over to meet some girls. Yeah. Cause I had roommates that were in the summer. They're in the summer. And one of her roommates was also in the summer. They knew each other. So they took me over there and it was, everybody had their bags and stuff everywhere. And she had slept on the couch. And so when we showed up, she hadn't had time to get up and shower and change and makeup and stuff. And so when they were introducing us, she, she stayed hid under the covers and they were like, Oh, I see. And that's our roommate Kira. And she just put her hand out and went, Hey, and that's all I saw. Love at first sight. Well, gorgeous hand. Yes. Beautiful hand. Yeah. But no, it was probably a week later when I saw her and I went, Oh, I'm interested in that one. Okay. More than a pretty hand. Very much so. Yeah. I well, knew uh, immediately she was above all the other girls I'd ever met. Yeah. Just the way that she, the things that were important to her mm-hmm. 
it, it wasn't just a mature outlook on life. It was like, I know what's really important and I don't get caught up in the stuff that isn't like all the other girls are kind of getting caught up in the, yeah. you know, that stuff. And she wasn't, but she'd laugh and she'd giggle and it wasn't like she was too good. She was just like, I know what, I know what I want. I know what I need and I know what matters. Is that a correct read that Duff had at that time? I, that's hard to say. That was so long ago. I didn't feel like I was that person back okay. then. I felt pretty immature and yeah, that was a long time ago. It was 29 years. What were you studying at the time? Just generals. Okay. As far as I got. What, what do you remember about seeing Duff? What? Cause he's, he's, was he always he's this always exciting? Very gregarious. Okay. And, Yep, be and loud, and I thought he was a, <laughs> I thought he was a player okay. first. I was like, no, this isn't real. He's just having fun. We're just going on a few dates, and but yeah, it became pretty evident that we were more serious than neither of us, either of us thought. So okay, I went kind of fast. I knew before she did we would get married. Yeah, yeah, because I was dating frequently, but it wasn't like playing people. It was like I wanted to see who I was supposed to be with. Okay. Like I, part of my dating experience was figuring out the type of woman that I wanted to be with forever. And you know, you don't really always know right. when you just meet one person. Yeah. Gathering data. You were in the labs. I, I was, I was, I was yeah. collecting data. Yeah. I love that. And I mean that in a good way. <laughs> yeah. And today isn't the time, but right. spent nearly three weeks begging her to go out with me. Mm. She didn't go out with me right away. So for whatever reason, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Where do we jump in? Well, my name's Duff Dyer. There you go. Hi, Duff. <laughs> nice to meet you. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in basically Tacoma, Washington. We met in Rexburg after a two-year mission for the church. Great experience. I wasn't going to go initially. I was selfish, and I was a teenage kid, mm. but I went anyway. Oldest of six. We ended up getting married, you know, in 95 and moving back to my hometown. And that's where we lived for 22 years. Okay. And raised our girls until we moved here. Okay. So that's brief history on me. Okay. <clears throat> and I know that I even set this up by saying, let's record and then we'll edit all around because we're starting to talk about what do we want to talk about today. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess what I've appreciated about talking with each of you individually are the things that, yeah, you have this in- incredible connection despite just a really... I don't know. How do you even describe it? I was going to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but a, a tragic, uh, I mean, it's horrific, the, uh, it, it, it's tragic event. It's yeah. the experience that no parent ever hopes to go through. No, nor do you ever wish on even your worst enemy. Yeah. That being said, it's become one of the most precious and sacred and magnificent experiences I've ever been through. We've ever been through. We've never been closer as a couple. And I want to talk about that. I mean, yeah. because I, I, that is phenomenal. Yeah. And I feel like there's no way to, for anybody that hasn't been through something that you guys have been through to even guess of what that would look like and, and how they would show up. Or I think a lot of people would say, well, of course we would feel the same way. But then as right. the therapist in me works with people who they go to their opposite corners and then they don't grow closer and they right. just are suffering alone. I, I want to hear how you guys manage that. Sure. And I like when you and I have talked a lot of the things that you didn't anticipate that other people's responses would be. Right. And we'll put a blanket over that of bless everyone's heart and yeah. they all mean well. Yeah. But I, I really appreciate sometimes what, you know, I, I did an episode with my daughter who had been in a really bad car accident and 
what I got the most feedback from were people that were saying, oh, I always thought I was doing good where I would say things like, well, at least yeah. this. Right. I'd really like to talk about the at least as well. Okay. Yeah. And just because I feel like it can help other people just have a little more empathy for situations they don't understand. And I think that's a big takeaway too. Yeah. yeah. So how about we lay the groundwork? Do, please. So okay. we get married in 95. A couple years later, we have a pregnancy and it ended roughly 21 weeks later mm-hmm. as a stillborn child. Her name is Isabel and she is laid to rest back in Tacoma in the same cemetery as like my grandparents, my mother. Our second was Emma and that's, she's the daughter that we just recently lost. It's been a little over 60 days. Oh. When Emma was around nine or 10 or so, maybe even 11, of course, we find out later that she had been accessing various forms of pornography through like YouTube and Instagram. Back then, there, was, there weren't as many filters. Yeah. Like it, it, it was pretty explicit back then. And it isn't anymore unless you pay money and right, it's different. Well, unbeknownst, because she didn't have a phone, it was literally computer when we'd be gone. And, yeah. And there's a lot to this, but essentially she felt really horrible about herself. There was a lot of naive misunderstandings you know, on our part as parents and her part as a kid trying to navigate through life. And We, we thought that if you had a girl, they wouldn't have a problem with yeah. pornography. Um, I actually said those words to her one night. They were like, that's so nice. They'll, they'll never... Yeah, Being remember saying drawn to pornography. I guess is a good word to say it. Yeah, I think because we had a friend who had a son that was kind of, and we were like, "Thank goodness we're we like, have that's, girls." That's only yeah. boys. At yeah. least we don't have to worry about that. So that the, was that era. Probably the dumbest thing I've ever. Well, but, but I'll I've said a lot of dumb though, things in life. Yeah, but, but that's because as somebody works in that space, it, and it can even be more difficult for females that struggle, right? Because yeah. then they feel like, okay, wait, I, I don't, I'm not even supposed to be struggling. It's with not this. the norm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this started 12, 13 years ago. Okay. And she got to this really, really scary place, like seventh, eighth grade, where it was like, who is this kid? You know, went from good grades, clean room, loving their sisters to messy room, getting in trouble at school, being mean Mm -hmm. to a sister. We chalked it up to, you know, junior high. Yeah. Yeah. Going through all the stuff that, you know, young women go through as far as puberty and stuff. We had no idea the, the depth of her her own shame, shame and self-loathing yeah, yeah. at such a young age. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know how detailed you want to get, but it's up to you. I, I made a few drastic things. Like I came home one night and Kira was at her wits end and she's like, I can't do this anymore. She just did this and said this. And, and I was like, I was well, done. She was very defiant as well. Yeah. Like it wasn't just yeah. her choices and people she was with or whatever. She was very defiant and very, yeah. Mean. Hard to be around. Yeah, mean all the time. And, and then you have you, how many, you have other kids? We have three, three below three her. Sisters three sisters below her. And what's that yeah. age difference there? So Bella is two years, nine months okay. below. So, yeah, and they had a really good relationship, and this was making it hard. And yeah. she was really mean to her. And, yeah. You know. What do you remember about that? Did you start to feel like, okay, this is affecting the other kids? As well? Oh, yeah. yeah for absolutely. sure. Probably Bella, and us. Bella the most. I, yeah. think. I don't think Lily and Sophie at that stage too, too little. knew what was happening. Yeah. But as a parent, I know that that's hard, right? It was really hard. Yeah. And it's confusing. Yeah. You know, okay, so about that. Well, uh, unfortunately, the, your first is like the test the guinea, case, the guinea, yeah. the guinea pig. That's yeah, what I was. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but there's no manual <laughs> no. for kids. No. And they come different. They come wired the way they're wired and they need their own manuals, but they, 
you don't get one for anyone. Well, and, and you need the manual on how to interact as uh, with each other, right. how to interact with your church community, how to interact with your family. Totally. Yeah. So I feel like everybody is making all these observations and judgments and yeah, yeah. yeah thinking they know best. They do. Yeah. yeah. So you, I you parented the way you, yeah, yeah, you were trying to say when you came home. So the way I was parented worked for me, but this was also eighties. Yeah. There was a lot less. You were a boy. I was a, yeah, I was a boy. Right. So my dad could be a little tougher on me, whatever. When I was growing up, there were consequences, but then were also rewards. Okay. So we knew the difference. And so my parents are really good about, Hey, you did something wrong. You gotta make it right. And you're in trouble, but Oh, Hey, you did something right. We're going to reward you. Mm -hmm. And you know, we want you to understand that this is why you're getting rewarded. And so sometimes it was pretty drastic. Did it it make sense to you though? Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's, so that's how I tried to parent. I was like, well, it worked for me. Yeah. We were rewarding her a lot when she was, you know, doing things that were worth being rewarded. And then this came and it was like, okay, now it's consequence time. So I came home one night and she was like, I'm, I can't remember exactly, but she's Mm -hmm. like, I'm done. So I did what I thought my dad would have done. And I went in and I said, that's it. Nothing of yours actually belongs to you. Yeah. I hope you don't uh, need to understand. All of this is belongs to your mom and I. So I'm taking it back. I took the doors off the hinges. I took the light bulbs out of the sockets. I took everything. I took posters off the walls. We left a mattress, an alarm clock, and a blanket, and sweats. You took close. everything. And I said, if you want a blouse or a pair of pants or shoes for school tomorrow, guess what? You have to do chores from now on. You're going to have to earn everything back. Okay. Or you were also like, if you go to school on time or if you, you know what I mean? Like if a you do, token-based economy kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And the first month was really rough. Okay. Like rough. Because she's a headstrong so defiant kid. Said stubborn, right? So was mm-hmm. she going to go, okay, I'll show you. She was really mad and just so mad. angry and dug her heels in. And mm. we didn't know. Like yeah. we said, we didn't, we had no idea how no. to, we didn't even know what was happening. We didn't know about the pornography use until much later. Oh, much later. This okay. was like 17, 18 by the time she was at her first rehab. Yeah. And no, I appreciate Where they have to like know. be authentic and go, okay, yeah, here's this my life story. And it was like, oh, now we know. Because she was unwilling to talk to anybody. She didn't tell us. Absolutely. We went to a couple of like family counselors, therapists. Yeah. She literally just clamped tight, her mouth. Just tight lipped. Yeah. Because, and it's reasonable, right? Uh, a kid of her age at the time thinking, Not first of all, absolutely. Know, as yeah. a girl and hearing, hey, boys are boys, but girls aren't, girls don't do what boys do in regards yeah. to <clears throat> masturbation, pornography, that yeah. kind of stuff. So she was on this, this island in her mind of, of, of where horrific yeah, people yeah. go. Yeah. Just, you know, it's heartbreaking. Well, I care, like you said earlier, shame. And there's such a difference between guilt of I feel bad and shame. I am bad. I am bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what was going on. We didn't know. Mm. Yeah. However, about a month later, it was like something kind of clicked and she realized, oh, we had taken, we took literally everything away. Phone, access to computer, laptop. So as time went on, you know, her brain is, I think, re kind of configuring itself like, Mm -hmm. Because she wasn't accessing all of this. Negative you said this stuff. was like twelve, thirteen, or seventeen. No, yeah. this was no. older, wasn't it? No, no, no. Was it, no. Was it really? No, because we had a couple really good years with her. Mm. Okay, so she got to where she was like, "Oh, I remember feeling like this a few years ago. I like this." Yeah. And again, without us knowing everything, she earned everything back, and for a couple years was great. Mm. It was like she's back. Yeah. And I thought, oh, it was just a rebellious stage and whatever, whatever, whatever. But we were wrong. Mm-hmm. But it was a good couple of years. And then my mom passed and Emma was the oldest grandchild. They lived two doors down. Mm-hmm. Very, very close to her. Very close to my wow. mom. Yeah. 
and that's when it, you know, she started to look for ways of, to cope. And at about age 16 ish, had kind of gone back to pornography. Again, we're finding all of this out after the fact. Oh, I see. Okay. So what did you, what did it look like to you? It just looked like she was angry. Withdrawn angry again. But not as bad because it was almost like she'd, she'd matured a little. Yeah. So she had a driver's license. She had a job. She had responsibility. She would still keep some of those. Yeah. Yeah. So she was able to play the game more, I think because of her maturity level. Yeah. And she also hadn't gotten to this, this point of I'm giving up. Like, you know, like she was still fighting. Yeah. How do we know? We found journals and emails that she had sent to herself and, you know, communication with friends and, you know what I mean? Like all this stuff that we found after. But near the end of her junior year, she got introduced to marijuana. Oh, and she got misdiagnosed with ADD. So she was on Adderall at like age 13. Mm. Again, we we just are following our pediatrician. Doctor said this is what she's got. That that was a big deal to kind of introduce that. At that stage, we're like, well, maybe this will help her. Yeah. Maybe this will be beneficial to her figuring herself out. And of course, I don't know. No judgment for anybody who's on that. It just, I think in hindsight, that was not not good. Because we didn't know. Again, we didn't know what was underlying and how bad it was. Right. Yeah. You're trying. But then she started to fail her classes. She was, she was, had like a lead in the play and it was, she killed it and it was amazing. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is her just emerging and this is so great. But then started failing classes, started Uh, qualified for state choir. Yeah. I'll put the, if you guys are good, I'll put the link of the, you have a link to a video of her singing. Yeah. 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 Playing the piano. She taught herself how to play the piano. And beautiful voice. So beautiful. Extremely. Which one of you are musical? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I love I love really, music, yeah. but, like music, but don't yeah. have her gift. Okay, no, her do gift not have her gift. She has it, she had a gift, yeah. but yeah. when I knew something was off, is when we went to the state finals <clears throat> and for choir. Yeah, okay. And she was the only one from the school that actually qualified as a soloist. As a soloist, wow. yeah. So the tryouts or whatever, she crushed, crushed. So when we went to the finals, she didn't crush, and I was like. That's not even the same kid. Mm. She's singing the words, but there's no passion. There's no depth. There, like you know what I mean. How long between that? Uh, a month or two. Okay, gotcha. not long. Short, yeah. It was short, and I remember yeah. being really confused. I was like, "Wait, what? What? Yeah." And she met a few people. One kid in particular who was not a good human, and he, he yeah, he was too. broken too. Yeah. But he introduced her to a lot of really bad things. Uh-huh. And so she went quick. Do you remember, was she dating the kid or did you, yeah. did you have much interaction with him? We had okay. a little bit, but it was, we didn't realize they were having sex so early and, mm-hmm. and that smoking, she was, yeah, yeah, getting high yeah, together, yeah, watching yeah. porn together. Yeah. I mean, there was abuse going on, oh. unbeknownst to, you know, at the time. Yeah. I almost ran him over with my car. True story. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Not kidding. Maybe another podcast another okay. day. Like I literally almost ran him down. Wow. I, I rammed him with my car. <laughs> And I wanted to run that is him over. Slow speed. Slow speed. You make it sound like it. And then I was going to beat the living poop out. Are we out? Can we cuss? <laughs> I just have to check a little explicit tag. And you oh, well, let's not do that. Okay. I was going to beat the crap out of this kid. And when, like after hitting him with my car. Yeah. And then after I got out and I was, I was going to destroy. I was going to go to jail. Okay. I, in my head, I thought. Well, he had said, you have to. Okay, no. we're not, or we can just skip that. Well, no, it's totally. I mean, well, I wouldn't mind a You're little gonna context love this. because You're I gonna feel love like this. you know I I can only imagine as a dad, well, 
a girl of, of all okay. girls. Yeah. He was walking home from work. Okay. So everything had come out. Okay. And we had banned them from seeing each other. Gotcha. Now he didn't have a license, but she did. And she was still like, oh, we love each other. You know, what are you doing? You don't know. Dumb, dumb kids, right? Well, not long after, I'm taking Lily, whom you know, to play golf one day to like kind of take a break. We're driving on the road. I see him walking away from me on the other side. I'm going to keep this really brief. And Lily goes, oh, hey, because she didn't know. I think that's so-and-so. And I'm like, yep. And I'm like, oh. And I hadn't seen him in person since. Okay. And I thought, this is probably the one time I have to say to him, look. Just stay away. <laughs> this is the one time I'm going to be cool. You come around again, you're, you're going to see a different side of, of Duff Dyer, right? Yeah. So I drove past him and cut, kind of cut through traffic. And then I, I got up on the shoulder facing him as he's walking. And he was on the phone having what looked like a heated conversation with somebody. So he didn't see me until about 20 feet or so. And he was you know walking head down. So I gave a little honk with my horn and then he... His head popped up and his eyes were like, uh-oh, like he saw me. Yeah. So he quickly puts the phone in his pocket. I roll my window down and I was just going to say, hey, here's where I'm at. Okay. One time, whatever. Before I could even say anything, he, as he's walking, he doesn't break stride and he goes, oh, hey, Duffy, I effed your daughter and kept walking. Oh my gosh. And Lily's And my car. little Lily, who's oh, like 11, man. is sitting okay. right there. Now, I knew all of this. Oh. But Lily didn't know anything. And who talks to the... I, okay? no, I would say, well, I appreciate it. the context. Anybody listening? <laughs> yeah. I know why. So, at oh. that moment, wow. I said, I'm going to jail today. Yeah. And I don't give a shh about it. Yeah. Window goes up. I waited for traffic. And he kept walking. Wow. Waited for traffic to go by. I jumped off the curb. I go against traffic. On the curb and the shoulder. A movie. Bad movie. <laughs> it was. And it was 45 mile an hour speed limit. Two, two lane. It was quick. So cars are like. And I'm like, I don't care. And I'm driving up. And he turns around. And I ram him. Hard. Hard. Wow. <laughs> and he, he doesn't knock down. But I thought, I should run this kid over. Any judge will understand. Right? Like what judge is going to go? No, 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 no. You didn't have. I, I, I was certain that a judge would be like. Yeah, I get it. Here's your fine, whatever. Just make sure you pay for the stitches and the cast and whatever. And so I hit him again. And he and then the second time he he it shocked him again. I hit him again. And then third one, he slammed his hands on the hood and he was like, Stop or hey, I can't remember, like, what are you doing? Like, you know. Waited for traffic, got off the shoulder, drove up so I could park in a safe spot, threw the thing and parked, didn't turn it off left Lily in there, got out, and I'm charging at it. I'm walking now down the hill at him, and he's walking up. And I'm telling you, I was going to beat the snot out of him, and I didn't care. Yeah. I get about 10 feet from him, and he just falls to his knees, and he just starts sobbing. And I mean, booger snots, tears hitting the pavement, like, almost like, dude, it's over the top. Like, I can't even look at you right now. You know it's what I mean? So he was a mess. Wow. And I and I instantly went from this angry father of this daughter to this compassionate father of some kid who has probably been abandoned and, yeah. and ignored and, and abused for most of his life. And so compassion took over. And I can't explain why. Yeah. But I get there. 
And I gave him a couple of minutes to sob it out. And he was saying really horrific things about himself. And, mm. and he used a word I'd never heard of before. And I can't remember. But I remember looking it up later. It was almost a, a, a version of like insidious. Mm. Like he saw himself as this like, evil. like true evil wow. being. That's how he, he viewed himself. And he immediately was apologizing and saying, I can't believe I said that. Why? He's like, all you guys did was show love and you got all you did was be nice to me and how could I do that to you and your family and he just confessed everything right wow. so like 10 minutes go by and all I said was look I don't know why I'm giving you my number but if you're ever somewhere and you don't have anybody wow you can call me okay but you can't come around my family ever again because I can't trust you around them and I can trust myself around you. So I'm not worried about me. Yeah. And he was like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, I don't know. Mm. I really don't know. All I know is if you were my kid, I would want somebody to do this. Yeah. And then we parted ways and I heard from him like a year and a half later, Halloween night, he left me a voicemail and he was on his way to some treatment program. He's, he got into meth and all kinds of stuff. And wow. I, I have no idea whatever, what happened, okay. ended up happening to him. That was that. Okay. I, I appreciate the whole yeah. version of the story. The one if we would have left it of like you ramming the car three times and yeah. now move on next. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it was shortly after that, that, that we, you know, Emma had, uh, a, a technically attempted a suicide with like Advil and just whatever medicine we had in the cat, nothing serious. Mm-hmm. Cause we didn't have any narcotics or anything and neither did she, but that happened twice, right? We oh. took her to the ER. I went, I took her the first time middle of the night. And I had to sit with, um, um, what do they call them? They call them. They bring somebody in to like a counselor, some oh, kind of yeah, yeah, like a grief family counselor. services. Okay, yeah. To like, hey, what's going on? Like child protective. Oh, to make sure of, that, that she's yeah, a minor. yeah. So yeah. they separated us, and I remember thinking, so some of the questions, right? I'm like, wait, what are you? What? Hmm. Like blaming us? Because they, you know, their their first thought is, oh, she's being sexually abused. Yeah. Because that's what girls do. Mm. And again, this is new to us. I'm like. Uh, no. Well and, well, and even then, even after all of those, those two events, we were still like, we still didn't know. She still didn't tell us. We what still she didn't was have any with. idea. So why. we were like, this is so bad. We finally got to a point where we were like, we're going to have to do something drastic. She needs to go to a rehab because we knew about the some, marijuana. Some professionals needed to step in because we could. Well, and I appreciate you mentioned that because I feel like that's one of those where until somebody's in that position, they yeah. just think, well, I would, I wouldn't that do drastic. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Why but would it, you do but that? It, yeah. it is a buildup to but get to there. Right? We knew it needed to be drastic. Yeah. It had gotten to that point where it was like, we can't help her. Yeah. So then we were like wilderness camp. We heard about those. Right. Mm-hmm. There was way, there was way more treatments in Utah, way better treatments than there were Washington, in like Washington. Oregon. Washington was like, she could come and go. It's her choice because she's past 12 or 13. It was kind of crazy. Washington sucks. Put that on the record. (laughs) (laughs) No, we just didn't know. We're like, that doesn't make sense to us. We we need a place where she's going to be safe. That was our biggest thing. We're like, she's she's mistreating herself. We don't know why. We were clueless enough to every day all day was nothing but fear and panic and worry and Mm -hmm. like every day all day just being just sick from that point on. Yeah, so we found a place in Utah, and at first it was supposed to be the summer. Okay. Finish the junior year. Come back senior year. We're like, hey, 90 days. And she went, hated it at first. Like, what was that like for you guys when when you... It was horrible. Brutal. Okay. Did horrible. you have to take her there? Yeah. I dropped her, her off by okay. myself. He 
stayed with the other girls. So we didn't want to leave them with anybody. And I had work was busy and yeah, you know, so we had to divide and conquer. And yeah. So if you want to, yeah. Yeah. I remember you. What do you remember about that? Way home. Oh, that was, that was hell. I mean, you have like, <laughs> you know, this 17 year old girl and you're like, I just drop her off. Yeah. Like I just, she's our baby. That's it. And they had said stuff like, I remember it was alarming because they were like, oh, well, we're going to, um, we can pick her up at the airport if you want, or you can drop her off. And I'm like, I'm going to drop her off. And they were like, well, wherever you stay, if you have to stop halfway, make sure you hide the knives because we know about her history. Mm. Like any knife you can see. So there I am stopping at my parents' house and I'm like, there was some self-harming sure. going on too. Yeah. That's right. That, it was a lot. Yeah. It, like you, what, everything that's scary about teenage girls, she yeah. was doing it. Wow. There wasn't anything that we couldn't protect her from. Yeah. So that's why it felt like we had to do something drastic. Yeah. And so anyway, that was, that was, just, and the drop off was horrible, you know? No one ever imagines. No. Like we didn't, like three months. Yeah, that's long, but it ended up actually being a whole year. So it her did. whole senior yeah. year. After about six weeks, she chose. She did. Well, and they said, we think she'd benefit, you know. And she'd been there long enough to where she was seeing the benefit, to where yeah. she said, yeah, probably. What, what do you remember? Did she tell you what she appreciated or liked about it? I think, well, it was extremely structured. And it, there was no phone use. There was no computer use. There was, everything was. You live so with I families. So I think she liked oh, okay. that. Yeah. That there was, that was, that was restricted. Yeah. The first, the morning was therapy and the afternoon was school. Okay. And there was probably, what, 30 kids, 40 kids? Something like that. And they all... Uh, would live with families. They'd go home at night to families. So they would do chores and help make dinner and clean up. But no TV, no movies, mm. no social media, like nothing. It was like, do your homework, read your book, hang out with family. How often would you guys talk to her? At first, we oh. couldn't talk for six or eight weeks or something okay. like that. Mm, was it that long? Yeah, it was a while. We could do letters. Okay. And um, the reason I remember that is you took her like 5th of June. Mm-hmm. And Father's Day was about 10 days later, and they let her call me okay. on Father's Day. And it was the year that the U.S. Open was a mile from our house, and I was a volunteer on uh-huh. the golf course, which was a dream come true. Yeah. And I just remember getting her call, walking down like the fourth or fifth fairway, because it was near the end of the tournament, so it, it all cleared out by then, and just sobbing, uh-huh. hearing her tell me how much she loved me and wow. missed me and knew that she was where she was supposed to be and was sorry. And like, I mean, just sobbing. Right. It was crazy because it was like, that should have been one of the most amazingly surreal experiences because of the tournament, because of golf. And and it didn't matter. You know, what mattered was my girl. Yeah. And that's like all I cared about. Wow. But luckily they gave us the exception to talk to her. Other than that, it was just letters for a couple months. Yeah. And after that, like once a week. But I, I think there was, some, I think because of, well, what we assume in the hindsight, I think the pornography use and drug use made her immature. Yeah. For, and I think that yeah. lasted the rest of her life. She never came. She was always very, always very like childish. kind of okay. junior yeah. high age almost. And yeah. Like she loved like sparkly stuff and like, you know what I mean? It, se- it seemed like it was very, what's the right word? Almost um, Peter Panish. Okay, you, do you know word. what I mean? Yeah, I, well, I feel like I immature, do. Just immature. You like know. it almost stunted her. Yes. Yeah. Her emotional growth at that yes. point. No then, question. But then also here's this 
because I, mean, I work with a lot of people that struggle with with turning to pornography as a coping mechanism, and it you know can it can it overly it sexualizes a kid, right? Because right. then they they are aware of. I, I give this example of if a kid hasn't ever seen pornography and they're in I don't know fourth grade and their teacher you know Miss Anderson has a big chest and it's. You know, right. if they haven't, it's just Mrs. Anderson. Right. They've seen pornography. Now thinking, she becomes Chessie LaRue. She, all she does. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and so that's one of those where they don't, they don't know any different. They're just right. being. No, in right. fact, Emma was yeah. convinced she was gay because she was attracted to okay. lesbian pornography well, at one she, point. She said okay. bisexual. Yeah. yeah. And that's. But that was her reasoning. Yeah. Now, you know us. We don't care. Right. Absolutely. But she was convinced, well, yeah. if this is interesting to me, it then I must, I must be interested right. in girls. Like that was her. Yeah. Rationale. Rationale. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which shows that emotional immaturity. Yeah. 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 So then, so it, when she finally, or who made the decision, she makes the decision to stay for that year. And then was there, it was kind of between her and, and, but I remember getting a call from her and her like head Ther- counselor mm-hmm. therapist and they said, Hey, here, we've been talking. And Emma was like, yeah, I feel like I, sh-, like it wasn't at all forced. Yeah. It was it, in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I remember feeling relief because. Maybe I was really was worried safe. about her coming home yeah. and going through senior year. And the thing about her being at Stillwater, which was a great program, I would recommend it. Mm. It was, you know, yeah. it, was, it was a nice program. We knew she was safe. And, and there was a lot of relief knowing that she was okay. Even though it was like your heart had been ripped out of your chest. Because yeah. we were away from her. At so least I didn't wake up every day in fear. And I, and I feel like that, I mean, I think that will resonate with a lot of people yeah. that go through really difficult things. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I, what I don't want to forget to, to tell you is a few days after Emma passed, yeah. I woke up one day and I felt light. Yeah. And at first I was like, what is this? I was trying to process through it and I realized it had been the first time in years that I wasn't afraid mm. all day long. And some days were really scary. And some days it was just kind of an underlying, because yeah. you never know. Right. You never know. And yet at, at that moment, I realized I'm not afraid anymore for her. Mm. I'm not afraid for us anymore. Yeah. I miss the dickens out of her. Yeah. But at least I, I'm not afraid. Yeah. And my personality is fight. So I'm all in everything, like all the time. So the financial, the emotional, the psychological, the you name it was heavy constantly. Yeah. And that was gone. Right? It was it was it was removed. Replaced with sadness. Yeah. Yeah. But so what do you remember about that that year? What was it like for your other kids at home? Brutal. Was it? They hated it. At first it was a we I saw progression. In that us as parents, where at first we were like very guarded and yeah. like, don't tell anybody. And what do we say to people? Yeah. How do we yeah. tell she's at rehab and our 17 year old daughter is in rehab? rehab? Yeah. That just was so beyond our. We didn't understand the self harm. We didn't like, there's None so many it. things. We were, we were very were... clueless, but yeah. we kept it kind of close. And we didn't, I remember someone, it was a, even a family member that came over to cut the girl's hair. Hey, where's Emma? She's in Utah. I didn't know yeah. how to explain it yet. Yeah. She did a horse camp. Yeah. Shortly, she hated the horses. She did. <laughs> hated the horses. Shortly after that, though, I think that we finally, as a couple, yeah. not really with the girls, because they, I felt like they were too young and not necessarily had a choice in they were tiny. this part, but it was 
we're like, we need to be authentic. Yes. And we need to start telling people. Right. And tell them, telling them why. And then we were like, now we need to talk about everybody. When we had finally found out when she was in rehab that it was so much pornography. Like, use. remember eight weeks in, she had to, like, read us her life story. Yeah. Uh-huh. You barf out, like, everything. Mm. It was pages and pages. Now, half of it was like, who cares? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Half of it was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. We had no Is idea. Is that hard? So um, it, was really, it, it was hard for me. Yeah. You know, I think I expected it because the guy, the, the guy who runs the program, I remember talking to him on the phone when we were pretty sure she was going. He was like, hey, can I ask a couple questions? And one of them was, what do you know about her sexual history? Mm-hmm. And I was like, excuse me? Yeah. Well, so, he knew about the boyfriend. I said, well, I know this kid. And he goes, no, 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 no. He's like, I can't remember the percentage, even though they're all, you know, 75% of statistics are made up. <laughs> But he said a big number, hey, majority of kids that come, they've had some type of trauma sexually, mm-hmm. whether it's friend, family, neighbor. Yeah. And I was shocked, shocked because I thought there's no way, you know, we didn't really do sleepovers. Yeah. It, it's just, it didn't make any sense. And, and, and he almost didn't believe me when I said none. Right. It's like, he almost didn't even believe me. Yeah. Until she got there and it was this, then finally came out, you know, years of pornography use and masturbation and all this kind of stuff. Then it made more sense to him, but he was convinced for a couple months that she just wasn't being honest. honest. Well, and that's where, when I was going earlier with that example, I've been doing, working with this population for 17, 18 years now. Yeah. And you've seen the shift go from even when I started, if somebody was looking at porn, the thought was, well, they've been, they've been molested, they've been abused. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't long. I mean, it was, it was quite a few years ago where then, oh no, the, the viewing of porn at a young age is what is the trauma. trauma. Yeah. 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 Especially yeah. her young, young, young age. Yeah. Yeah. So, and care back to what you were saying, because this is stuff I feel like, man, I can't even imagine how much people are going to get out of some of this where you, you realized, okay, we just need to be authentic. Yeah. And that, I feel like that can be really difficult, but I know as a therapist, when somebody yeah. opens up at a talk at church or they, yeah. you know, they're just real that there, there are so many people that almost yeah, feel a sense helping. of relief that, yeah. yeah that, it was okay. easier for me than it was for Kira. Was it? Cause right. I was raised to be authentic. Yeah. Basically. And we were more brushed stuff under the carpet. You don't talk yeah. about the hard stuff, but but it didn't take long for me. Okay. To, I'm like, we need to start telling parents because this was definitely the era of, of like we said, that parents are like, oh, girls don't have a yeah. problem with that. And we would say that to other parents and they were like, what? And I'm like, listen, we've <laughs> learned and we're, we're trying to educate you. We even had a couple nights with parents in our house. Yeah, we did some seminars. We wanted oh, to okay. be like, okay. We this- put together a keynote about. Oh, wow. You know, pornography and children yeah. and, okay. and and social media and. Yeah. Like how to you protect know. your kids. Because this and- was, this was 20 you know, 20, 2009 and 10 or, wow. you know, so, yeah. we'll, you know, smartphones weren't really a no. thing. It was new, you know, it was brand new. And so we were learning, I guess the way the world was kind of learning, yeah. you know, and unfortunately for our, our kid, she was a, she was the guinea pig, she was the guinea pig in, for, a, in a lot of ways, not yeah. just our family. So what did it look like when she came back? What was that like? Scary. Was it? <laughs> it was. In it fact, was. she was afraid. Was she? Okay. Well, yeah, because yeah. she was so sheltered and she's like, I don't know how. So it was just a slow, well, okay, we'll get you a job and hey, let's and she did think okay. about college. And, and she did do college for a little Came bit. Came home for the summer, did good, had a couple jobs, kept her busy. Yeah. You know, didn't have any issues or whatever. Not a good social life, you know, not a lot mm. of friends, obviously. But always fear. 
for us. There was always that mm-hmm. underlying, like, oh, are we doing enough? Is, mm-hmm. she, is she protected enough? And now she's an adult and out of our house, so it was more overwhelming that way. Yeah. Because we didn't have her with us, living with us. But when she went to college on her own, eventually it, it kind of caught up to her again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Could you tell in, in your interactions with her or talking with her, or did you start to have an idea? Yeah, you could tell when she wasn't doing good, yeah. especially early on. It well, was a little bit easier to tell. The one good thing that happened is she got a job at the treatment center oh. as like a junior therapist mm. at first. Well, not that therapist. was great. She or, was like, yeah, counselor. Like a counselor. Yeah. 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 Because she had actually graduated top of her class. She was the valedictorian. Valedictorian of 16 kids. Okay, I love it. Got a thousand hour scholarship to UVU. <laughs> nice. Well, what we didn't know is where we found a place for her to live was like the worst place any girl could have lived. No. It just wasn't a positive place. And you had to be really strong mm. to like not be swayed by what was there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was I've come to find out the worst apartment complex you could put a kid. Oh, wow. Unbeknownst to us. Yeah. Right. We made so many mistakes. Yeah. Wow. But I mean, that's right. Just so give yourselves grace. Well, here's, right? here's what I want people to know. Yeah. Like it's okay. Yeah. We're supposed to. And I know that's cliche, but it's so real, but it is real. And we're going to, we screwed up a lot, but you know what else? Sometimes we crushed. Yeah. And we fought the entire time. Never gave up. Mm. Never. Was that like, was that like on your relationship during those times? Hard. Was it? Yeah. That was hard. Well, because then you have, you know, the girls are worried about her, but they didn't really know everything for a while until yeah. they were older. They didn't know the extent of it. Would have been too much for with. them to even process. Yeah. They were too young, yeah. especially the younger two. But Bella, we would tell little, you know, few things. But yeah. but you know, for them to tell their friends where she was, you know, because then it would be another yeah. rehab after that, and then you know, then they would feel let down. But They'd you know be what? Like, Why did she choose to do that? And oh. so there was that. You know, what ended up happening is, is once we got not just comfortable, but had the ability to be open about pornography, masturbation, 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 <laughs> I don't we check the box for that. One. We could, okay. we could talk about it with our girls yeah. so that as they grew and had their own experiences, it wasn't like taboo. Yeah. It wasn't, but it was with Emma. It, it was, was with Emma more. because we didn't even talk about it. Yeah. We didn't know, but we the, didn't right. know you were supposed to. Right. But the other no. three, we could have healthy conversations about it. Which was very beneficial for those three. Because we could say, hey, look, you guys, that's normal. It's normal to have the desire to yeah. look at pornography. It's normal to... Nothing wrong with you because yeah. you want to see it. Becomes it becomes a problem when. Yeah. This is when it's a problem. Right. You know? But at least we were talking. Absolutely. Openly. Yeah. And it was helpful for those kids. Yeah. So, anyway, eventually Emma turned to, you know, every relapse or you don't call them relapses. You call them. I always call them setbacks, but it's not because of the, you know. Yeah. (laughs) No, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Only my kid goes hard. Yeah. And went hard. And every time was worse. Every time was different stuff and harder stuff. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the first, call it relapse. She called me and said, dad, if you don't come get me, I don't think I'm going to live another couple of days because the night before she had used so many drugs that couldn't move, was paralyzed, wow. and come to find out later, was raped by the guy that gave her the drugs. Oh. And she was awake, but couldn't do anything about it. Couldn't move. Yeah. Couldn't move. So I got a, I flew out first thing that night. I, guess I got the first flight I could. And I said, hey, I just need you to meet me at the airport. And she showed up high, mm. but she came. And I drove her back to California 
And that was when our misery began again, and it never went away. Oh. It never went away. How long ago? When was that? It would have been like February of 2018. Oh, okay. She went about a year and a half, you know, but unbeknownst to us, instead of drug use, it was pornography, self-harm. Well, what we know eating now disorders. is called yeah. addiction transfer. Addiction transfer. And we, didn't, okay. we didn't know yeah. that initially either, but she yeah. was using sex. She was using self-harm. She was using... Um, Anything like, but drugs. Yeah. Yeah. She was yeah. using cigarettes and yeah. vaping and stuff, but... And we didn't... I guess in our mind, there were times where we'd be like, well, she's only vaping or right. only using nicotine. Well, that's better than drugs. Mm-hmm. But we didn't realize that mm-hmm. it was like a really slippery slope with her. Like, even even things like... Diet Coke for her was like, that was a trigger set her on a path oh. of because Diet Coke also meant cigarette and a cigarette meant mm-hmm. vaping and vaping meant sex and pornography. And like they were all related all tied together. Yeah. So if she couldn't cut literally everything out, she was mm-hmm. stuck. I thought it was interesting. Later she started doing tattoos. Now I'm, yeah, I will preface. I'm not a huge fan of tattoos, yeah. but the way she was doing it felt like self-harm mm. because it was, it wasn't like, Hey, I got this tattoo of my grandma mm. and, this and this is what, what it means. means. And this is how it's it so just important. became literally, she would go to a place where they'd have a gumball thing and whatever spits out a picture. That's, that's what, what you get. You have to get. Oh. And I'm like, what? Well, I don't So she understand. got a Yosemite Sam guy on her shoulder. <laughs> okay. No, she had some oh. pretty ridiculous ones where it just, and then her self-harm got really bad it as did. well. Like, like very raised scars. Well, on her arms because they were extremely deep. Oh yeah. Yeah. So some, some of her tattoos were attempting to, to cover, cover up. up. Okay. Yeah. And you know, again, it was just so much addiction transferring and, and she'd go about a year, year and a half without using. Yeah. And then it would hard be drugs. really bad. I mean, I, she'd go like hard for days on end. I, yeah. I protected my wife and my girls from a lot of it uh-huh. because again, I'm an all in guy kind yeah. of guy. Um, I had to go get her once because she couldn't find her car and didn't know where she was. And I remember finding her and putting her in the car and looking at her and listening to her and thinking, I don't know you. Who are, who is this person? The way she was acting and behaving and, and I remember saying it was like two o'clock in the morning or something. And I remember thinking, I cannot take you home wow. that my family cannot see this. Yeah. And I ended up taking her to a hotel right over here and we checked in, I put her to bed and I just laid on the couch with her. Cause I didn't know what she was going to do. Yeah. I took everything away, had to go to work the next day, had her sisters go pick her up. And it was experiences like that, that were just Awful, yeah. like just heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, you know, hard to breathe, awful. And so many times thinking, how is this my kid? Yeah. And it's not like we're too good. Yeah. It's we did everything right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We and, I, we did. and I know, well, we, we provided everything, everything we provided a home full of love yeah. and she wasn't abused and yeah. and she was, she was loved and she was accepted and I will say this, I was grateful that I knew I was the one she would call mm. every time. Instead of like... No, because she knew or... she knew that we did love. Yeah. 
And she knew that we were safe and that we wouldn't judge. And I could hang my hat on at least that. Absolutely. And I, I just, I saw some things that, man, no parent should see. Now I know plenty, plenty do. Yeah. But none should. And so every time it was drastic, it was okay. Back to treatment. Okay. And it was, here we go again. Internally. Yeah. We would never, ever verbalize that. Yeah. But we would say, here we go. Yeah. Was there a point where you felt like, I don't know, did did you feel like, okay, this next one will work or this will do it? Or did you just feel like it was a a pause or? No. I think it was always just. It was a hope. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. There had to be a little bit of hope of maybe this is it, but. It felt like I always, at least me, I always had to expect there would be another one. Yeah. Like, this is going to happen again. Almost like if an I acceptance. Didn't, yeah. And one thing that I really hated that I did that I think <laughs> was I had to, like, wall my heart off. Oh, yeah. To protect myself. And Emma knew it. And I didn't. I tried really hard not to show it to yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wasn't, like, mean or vengeful or, like, yeah. oh, you're back. I never, ever did anything like that. But I always had to kind of keep her a little bit mm-hmm. at arm's length. And I hated that I had to do that, but I always felt like I kept thinking, how many times can my heart, Yeah. you know, the mama heart, it goes back to, yeah. Like, I carried this girl, mm. you know, and... No, I can't imagine. Yeah, so it's hard not to. Like, I understand why I did that. Yes. And the necessity yeah. to protect myself. But but it's painful to think that I had to do that. I wish there was a way I didn't have to do that. But well, I feel like the more we like learn necessary. about trauma is that, I mean, the, what's that like for you, traumatic for you, is that yeah. your own body is trying to keep you safe. Right. Yeah. And sometimes that is that more flattened yeah. like, affect or... Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I feel like I couldn't be too excited about yeah. her triumphs yeah. or too devastated about the lows. Yeah. You know, I she would tell me things that were exciting. Like, oh, honey, that's so good. But in my heart, I would be like... Matter does of time. It, does it matter? Like that it was mm. that was really brutal to not yeah. just be like yeah. I wanted to jump up and down and be like, Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I'm I'm so happy for you. I would I could pretend that sometimes, but I could never authentically yeah. feel that. Yeah. And that was painful, you know. Now, and I'm so. not just trying to make you feel better, but that what I appreciate about that and and knowing who you are is so many people just go ahead and shut down and withdraw because, quite frankly, they, it, without meaning right. to bless their hearts, they make it about them. Yeah. What am I? How am I supposed to deal with this? Hey, but yeah. How? Why are you doing that to me? To me, right? Yeah. And yeah. and so the fact that you could show up and then at times pull out that man, that's so great. Yeah. I mean, shows a lot of your character. Yeah. Rough. <laughs> I just want to go on the record and say that I have the greatest wife in the world for me. Yeah, <laughs> for me. I married the perfect person for me. Because you can be a handful, right, Duff? I'm so sorry that <laughs> you didn't get the same. But that's number three. I will, I, you know, I said this at the funeral. I couldn't be more proud of my girl. Mm. I couldn't be more proud of my wife. I couldn't be more proud of myself. And I don't say that often about well, let's myself. Let's talk about that. Yeah, because I really appreciate this. There's been plenty of times where I've accomplished things and felt good. But I've never said to somebody, hey, I'm really proud of me today. But I remember at the funeral authentically knowing and feeling that I was so proud that I never gave up 
that we never gave up. We never stopped loving. I can't tell you how many AA meetings I went to, how many NA meetings I went to. How many times we would say, it's okay, we'll do the rehab again. Yeah. Here we go. Never hesitated to pay whatever. And I remember I had a friend like five, six years ago. So she had been to one treatment program and had to go to another. I remember him saying, at what point do you say no more? And I'm like, you want me to beat your ass right now? Okay, there's the explicit. <laughs> do you do you know <laughs> who you're yeah. talking to? Because yeah. Duff be Dyer, <laughs> it doesn't give up on his kids. Yeah. And I said, "What do I have money for, mm. other than my family?" Mm. I remember thinking, "Dude, I've known you a long time. How dare you?" But at the same time, I was trying to be like, "Hey, okay, I get you. You don't have the same perspective that I do, right?" But I remember thinking, like over and over, we'll forever. We will fight forever, and I don't care what the cost is. Mm -hmm. Nothing matters to me more than my wife first and then my girls. Yeah. And after that. We talked about this, I think, and I hate to go all nerdy psychology on it, but then somebody, I feel like somebody saying that is almost thinking, wait a minute, so if I was in that situation, then would I have to do the same? You know, because they almost Mm -hmm. want you to say, oh, yeah, after four and a half times, then you can can stop. So then that person feels better. Okay, right. good. Okay. No, right. no I told know. him, I said, yeah. never, it's never ending. Yeah. I don't care how many times. Yeah. And, and that's how we behave. Like, maybe, um, maybe we are going to have to go multiple because I appreciate this long form so much, yeah. but I also <laughs> want to get to that. I mean, I, and I feel bad saying that cause it's your story, but you guys have so much strength and, and what, when you talk about the funeral, yeah, that was a, a pretty incredible experience. Incredible. What was that like? You know, I mean, the, the weeks that were Oh my gosh, Tony. So, and I we'll, apologize. I don't want to hijack your story. No, no, no. We'll, we'll, uh, we have roast waiting for us later. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll we'll jump ahead a little, about. but you know, she probably had four or five relapses, maybe six. I, it doesn't matter. But we had her come move home with us about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. because she wanted to stay clean and whatever. And it was a good thing for a while. And you know, as far as we knew, she was doing good. We always knew there were struggles. Yeah. Right? She smoked, vaped, and there was more tattoos. But she was present and she was, you know, job, going to the, doing her job, going back to school. The thing about Emma was, I don't know if there's, I've ever known anybody that had more love for everyone else and none for herself mm. than her. Okay. And it goes all the way back to her nine, 10 year old self. Yeah. And she never could shake it. She could never forgive herself for it. Never. And the other thing that I think people need to understand is, uh, young women and women are not treated well in that life. Mm. And every time she would, would go deep, She'd have more and more trauma. I don't know how anybody ever recovers. Yeah. I just don't. And a part of our relief is that it's over for her. It's over. And she's actually really happy right Mm. now. Like I know it. Yeah. I don't worry about her. I'll see her again. Mm. And, And I believe that every tear we shed, she's probably going, what are you doing? Right. I'm good. I'm good. This is temporary, Dad. She probably likes the attention. <laughs> but at the funeral, I remember looking at my family, and the impression I had was, I couldn't have a better family. I couldn't be more proud. 
of myself, my wife, my girls, and Emma too. Mm. She had a tough mission. We know that. Yeah. And we did too. We were asked to be her parents. We did a really dang good job. (laughs) Even though we screwed up a lot. Because I know she knows we loved her. No matter what, she knew. Now, the day that we found her, she was supposed to go back to another program. We had already figured it out. I woke her up to get her on the plane. A couple days before, she was in the ER. She She had overdosed on some fentanyl. But for whatever reason, didn't smoke all of it. Okay. I, I think because she didn't realize how powerful, she probably thought, oh, I can smoke one or two, smoke a few more. Because after the fact, we found unsmoked fentanyl that okay. easily would have taken her life. Wow. And and the little that she did smoke took her straight to the ER, and it was scary. And I remember leaving work early and sobbing next to her and just being like, I don't know what to do. You know, I have no idea what to do. And I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And she had already planned on going back to the another rehab? Not, Not then. Or yeah, we had already. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so then it was like, let's go home, take everything away from you. Ultimately, what caused her death was, and this is really smart, or people need to know this, that compressed, air duster. Compressed air. Oh. Cans of, of compressed yeah, air. Yeah. That kids can huff yeah. to get like temporary highs. Well, we found, yeah, we found one can nearly empty in her bed and we found her. And so it was probably a combination of, well, they found fentanyl, amphetamines, cannabis, meth in her system, but we know she hadn't used it very recent, probably in a couple of days. Okay. But the air duster is what collapsed her lung. Wow. Which caused her to Aspirate. aspirate on her own vomit. Okay. In bed. Okay. But when we found her, there was no evidence of anything except the can. No vomit, no drugs, no needles, nothing. Wow. So, you want to start? Um, I just went up to wake her up. Well, we went on our morning walk, mm. which, by the way, has been really good for us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to all your parents out there. Yeah. Quality time. Be intentional. Yeah. Mm. And and we've been pretty good out, other than lately with the wedding and the travel. Mm. But we knew that three, four, five days a week, first thing in the morning, was really good for our relationship. Mm. And it, it has been, mm. you know. And we don't always talk about important things. Yeah. Anyway, so we were talking on the walk. Hey, so when we get back, you shower, I'll shower, you run her to... We were just kind of coordinating okay. the day, right? So Kara showers, and then I jump in, and then... Yeah, I went up there and... With that, oh, she's she could sleep all day. That mm. girl, like literally all day. That was also a coping mechanism for her okay. to sleep. For yeah. sure, yeah. And so I just went up and saw that the room was kind of, she was kind of packed, but it was a disaster. And I went to the her bed and I said, Emma, it's time to get up. We need to get you. We need to get you ready to go to the airport. And then when I looked at her, she like she was pale mm. and like her like blue lips. Yeah. Cold fingertips, freezing cold. Extremities, freezing cold. Like her, her breath was labored. Mm. And I thought, at first, I tried to rationalize it away because I had taken everything away and thought there's no way she had anything. Like, oh, she's got a bad cold. That's the first thing that hit my head. Like, that's raspy. She's got a really bad cold. And, and then I, then I, things started to connect. Oh my gosh, her lips are blue. This isn't. This isn't good. And so I tapped her face and was like, yeah, I'm going to wake up, wake up. And I couldn't wake her up. And so 
So then I like yelled. So I'm in the shower. Yeah. And like, she calls me. Down. I'm like, Duffy. I, I'll take my phone in the shower and like, you know, YouTube and podcasts. The Tony Overbay podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and I remember her calling me and thinking, well, that's weird. Mm. Right. And so I answer it and she's like, hey, can you come up here? And it was pretty, it was relatively calm. But I knew, oh, crap, that's probably a, I'm sure that's a problem. And then her younger sister was downstairs. Sophie. She mm-hmm. knew as well. She knew. She's like, Dad. So, she was instantly like, Dad, you need to come up. Yeah, she so she didn't know I was in the shower, I don't think. So I had gotten out. I was trying to get dressed. And Sophie's like, Dad, you got it. And I was like, oh, crap. What do you remember? that? What, that, what did that feel like? Or were you just in um, I, I take action? Mode? Of course, I. so here's what's so interesting is, of course, I know something's bad. But you don't really know. So I, I go up. And Emma's incoherent and well, it, she, it's like she's sleeping and yeah, just raspy. like how do you explain? Like just like like limp, yeah. you know, like just limp, just like she was asleep. And then and then her breath was like death rattle. It was like thirty seconds of nothing, and then and then you'd hear the right, and it was like oh crap, this is this is bad. And I remember putting my face on her face and just being like Emma, 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 and you know patting her and trying to wake her up. And I just said, hey, call 911 right now. So the girls called 911. They got there within a couple of minutes. Wow. I was trying to do CPR and mouth to mouth. And I could I could taste the chemicals that she had consumed. And it was the most horrific thing. And I remember, so I'm not a professional CPR guy. And I think that's the official term. <laughs> so I asked the guy on on nine hundred one dispatch to stay with me and coach coach me through it. Yeah, and he's like, okay, well, and it was like Tony. It's like I'm thinking, this is like a movie. Yeah, and movies aren't real. This can't be real. I can't imagine though. And so he's coaching me, and I stopped myself for a, for a brief couple seconds because I thought, hold up. A few days ago, she attempted to do this, and she had carved DNR on her hands. Oh. And I thought, this is what she wants. And I know that this is like the only thing that will <laughs> give her relief. Like, I knew that was it. I knew that was the only thing that would give her relief. I knew it. That it was impossible for her to ever feel relief. Mm. And so I stopped and I thought, maybe we should let her do this in her own bed in her home so we're not in a hospital with machines and strangers. But my instincts kicked back in and yeah. I just kept going. Like I, I couldn't stop myself. And they showed up really fast. I couldn't believe it. When they showed up, I was like, wow, like two minutes. <laughs> and it was an army of people, like six firemen and a couple of... EMT and the sheriff. And it was like, Whoa, what's going on? Kind of thing. And they, they tried the, uh, Anavar and it, no effect. Wow. And that really surprised them. And I remember them going, wait, huh? That's the injectable into the, like when fentanyl specifically, like an OD to restart your heart or whatever. And it did nothing. And they were like, "Uh Oh, so they quickly oxygen on it out. Like they, they got her out of there fast. And the sheriff came in. He's like, hey, it's just part of the protocol. Checking to see if there's any illegal activity, if mm-hmm. this is a drug house, right? Mm-hmm. And we found, he's like, 
do you know what she took? And we were like, we don't see anything other than the air duster can. Like, we found nothing. And he was befuddled. You know, that's a word I use all the time. That's a great word. Befuddled. <laughs> and, and so we were, conf- we were still really confused, right? But get dressed and we get to the hospital. And what, what was that ride like? What do you remember about? Oh, panic, fear, worry, stressed, freaked Carol, out. Yeah, what were you feeling? I mean, Duff had that adrenaline rush of, of going in there to try mm, to I was definitely the, all of those feelings. But I think there was also a part of me was like, I think she'll be okay. Like they'll okay. revive her and everything mm. will be okay. Yeah. There was a little bit of that, mm. but not a lot. You yeah. had zero. Zero. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I knew. You just, I don't know. I just I wanted to hope. Have a little bit of hope. Yeah. 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 No. We get there and she's already on life support. And they're like, her lung collapsed. Yeah. And they had already done a few tests. How long it will take. Yeah. We have to just wait to see if she'll come to. So it was like, it could take days. And, so and it was the whole tubes all the way down, you know, breathing machine, that whole thing. And when I knew for sure that it was it, that was it. When the patient comes in and they're still not sure about brain activity and stuff, they, they start to reduce the meds that, I forget the term, that keep them comfortable. Keep comfortable. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Like See if they get a response. So, yeah. So, that what they want is they want the patient to feel uncomfortable yeah. and then react. Yeah. So, as that was wearing off, she came to. And they were like, say your name. And, you know, and so it was like. Emma, you know, and I was holding her hand and it's like, they were trying to be positive too. They're like, Oh look, she's reacting. No, mm. She's look, she's reacting to your voice. Yeah. She's, and, she's strapped to the bed and she's got stuff down her throat. Anybody would, would react. Mm. And I just remember she looked right through me. Her eyes came open and I was like, Emma. And for a second I thought, Emma. And she looked right through me and her eyes were like, I don't know you and I don't know where I am and I don't know me. And at that moment I was like, that's not her. Yeah. And they wouldn't believe me, which I get. Yeah. Okay. And it took a day and a half to get the MRI because it was always the reason that they couldn't get her down there. Or oh, it's backed. It's busy. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's not worth going into. Yeah. But it was, so that was a Sunday and then it was Tuesday morning at like seven, seven thirty that you, because we rotated who stayed. Yeah. And so my, my turn was the second night. So I came home to shower. And when I was home, they got the results back. Yeah. I mean, that's when they said. What do you remember? How, yeah. What they, they come in and tell you? Um, yeah. It was really weird because the doctor, I could tell. By the way, <laughs> doctors aren't fun to hang out with. <laughs> it, yeah. they're, they have no bedside manner. No. Well, they're, I, they're, they know their stuff, but they should have somebody else talk. Yeah, I felt like he. Sorry. Seriously, I feel like yeah. socially he didn't know that he should wait for Duff at least. I thought that was oh, odd because he was like, "We got the results back," and I said, "Okay," and I put my stuff down, and he's like, "Well, it, it seems like there's a, a significant amount of damage on the MRI, and it sounds like there's going to be two choices." And he's he like, just launched right into it. Wow, he did. It was just like, oh. and he's like, "It's so significant that." You know, if we take her off, she's not going to make it. So you can move her to facility and just keep her hooked up to tubes until something happens. that She goes on her own. Or we pull the tubes and oh. see how long. Oh. So it was like... And that just came right out. right away. I knew right away. It's, of course, we're not going to take her to facility and just leave her on tubes yeah. for who knows how long. And so 
I just lost it and just, oh. yeah. <laughs> and it, I just remember I was so irritated by this, but the, the nurses were like patting me and it's okay. And I was crumbled on the bed and, and the doctor, I could hear him over me and he was like, every parent's worst nightmare. Oh. And I was thinking, what, oh. why are you saying that to, why did you say that out loud? Why didn't you say that out to the nurses in the hallway? But and I, I, of course, didn't say anything, and they left, and they closed the door, and they were, you know, just left, which was okay, because it ended up being, like, a sweet moment with Emma and I, but, you know, in hindsight, obviously, it would have been better to be with you and, yeah. Yeah. you know, be consoled, but anyway, so after that, it just seemed like a crazy whirlwind of goodbye, a thousand goodbyes, and wow. a, a ton of people coming in to say... All my siblings flew in yeah. immediately. The girls like were there already. Her sisters were already there, yeah. and... Yeah. The nurses were great. Yeah. The nurses were great. Yeah. We can, but, we can take any of this out or anything, but I was curious. I felt like you taught me and I'm about the way that even organ donations work. And yeah. There were a lot of decisions that even had to be made. After. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't realize that she was an organ donor uh-huh. and every state has different laws in regards to that. But the guy that is like the liaison between all the hospitals in the program was a stud. He was so awesome. Yeah. Was like he's so a good sweet. dude. His name was Ron. Ex-military from North Carolina, you know, African-American guy, basically my twin. Like, <laughs> people can't tell the difference between us. Right. He's a guy that I wished I met when I was 10. Wow. He'd be my best friend. He was great. He was so good. But we learned that her organs were all incredibly healthy. Her lung actually came back. Okay. Her heart was super strong. It was just her brain was gone. Yeah. Right. And we don't know how long she was without oxygen. Right. Oh, so right. that was causing. And we learned when you're young, you actually can't go very long. When you're old, you can explain this. Yeah. So we, we learned that. And, and there's not, they didn't give us a definitive age, but they said, hey, the younger you are, the, the, less, amount the less amount of time you can go without oxygen, without damage. But for whatever reason, as you grow, your brain develops a lot of like, it, it becomes more durable uh-huh. and more calloused. Okay. So you can go 20 minutes as like a 70-year-old and be okay. Yeah, he's less damaging. But when you're young, you know, three to five, can't go that long. And and again, we don't know how long it was with her. But it probably wasn't very long. So he said, hey, here's protocol. And protocol is we have to line up the families that are waiting for all these organs and OR space. And then he said, when you decide to pull the tubes... She has to go within 90 minutes. Otherwise, we can't use any of the organs. And I had no idea. I did not know this. Mm-hmm. Neither did I. <clears throat> and it we thought, seems like such a waste, too. It just seems like, oh. Like, you got eight families that desperately need these very healthy organs. We already organs. know the outcome. And we already know what's going to happen to her. Yeah. And yet, state law is you have to let them pass naturally kind of thing. However, we did after the fact realized that they were able to use her heart valves oh, okay. and her, you should tell the, I'm yeah. assuming the corneas, the parts of her eyes. So yeah. we did get a letter. Really? Yeah. So before that yeah. though, majority of the patients go quickly, but the older they are, the, the chances are they go fast. Mm. It'll probably be a day or two at the way. most. Yeah, All of our scary. siblings were here. Yeah. Pa- like everyone was in town. And, and, they basically, said, and they thought within 90 minutes, and that was like on Tuesday or Wednesday? or Oh, well, we ended up we pulling the tubes Thursday because it was such a delay. Okay. And we were waiting for to We waited for her best friend to okay. come as well. People want to come say goodbye. Yeah. All right. We had to bring the puppy. 
<laughs> but we had to come yeah, to it. We did actually. So we thought, okay, so if it takes a day or two, that's okay. Yeah. And we thought, why send everybody home mm-hmm. and then bring everybody back in a week? Well, we had people from Europe. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it was a really big, I don't know. It yeah. just felt wrong to be, to say, just kidding, just kidding. Everybody go back and we'll do it again in a right. couple weeks or whatever. And yeah, I just feel like. I'm pulling up something okay. for, for the podcast. So you're like, Duff, what are you doing? Duff's checking his uh, you, uh, plans. care his, at all about. His Farmville, right? Yeah, so, some crops there. <laughs> so, I, by the way, I wanted to snort right there, but I'm not going to give you the five. Oh, Gosh dang it! What back. are we at? He's holding three. Back. Yeah, he's got to count. So, Ron says it was like, "Hey, so let's hope that it, you know." And everybody was there, and there were so many sweet moments, though. Mm-hmm. Right? Remember that time where we were all? I was holding her hand, and then everybody, you know, Kira and her sisters, sisters, and you know, for about five minutes, and we all just. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And again, as horrific as it is, that that five minutes mm. is what it's about. Mm. Literally, that's what it's about. That's what all this is about. Yeah. And without a tragic tragedy, <laughs> you're not going to f- have moments like that. Well, I think that's what we've all talked about individually, too. You don't know what you don't know, and you have no idea until you have to go through things, and then you really find out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Not like the cliched what you're made of, but you find the tools and yeah, yeah, that you can actually do. Yeah, yeah. So after we realized we can't use the organs, which we were so disappointed in these fa- for these families, mm-hmm. and it was also it was a proud moment for me to realize that my kid was saying, "Hey, if if I can't help me, yeah, then I'm going to help somebody else." Yeah. And when it, it was clear that she her her heart was just too strong. In fact, it got stronger <laughs> is when Ron said, so it's not all hope is lost. There's, there are burn victims that will benefit from her skin grafts. People who have trouble with sight will get her corneas, mm. uh, heart valves, mm. right? Mostly like little kids. So we got a letter. I got a call from the hospital, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And she said, Hey, just want to make sure we have the right address. One of the recipients sent your family a letter and it's anonymous because they don't know. And mm. she said, I'd love to send it to you because I'm very nice stationary stock <laughs> and whatever. And I said, Hey, in the meantime, can you text it to me? Mm-hmm. It says dear donor family. Again, they don't even know what our name is. Please accept my condolences for your family's loss. I am writing to express my deepest gratitude for the gift, which I think is a really pretty word that your beloved donated. And he doesn't know if daughter, spouse, mm-hmm. Your loved one's donation has made a world of difference in my life. I have a condition that has caused my vision to become impaired. And I was slowly losing my sight. Thanks to your loved one's help, I was able to regain my ability to see. I also want to convey what this gift means for my family. My wife is so incredibly thankful. And this is the part that just poke my heart <laughs> my two young daughters have been so grateful for the opportunity to see me regain a clarity and vision that I have not had since I was their age I cannot express how fortunate I feel to have received this donation I will always cherish this gift 
being able to move forward in life with the help of my healing eye is truly life-changing. I will never forget the kindness and generosity of your loved one. Wow. (laughs) But he doesn't know. Is our Emma was so kind and she was so generous. Like he doesn't know. He really doesn't know the extent. She championed and cheered everyone else. Mm, Yeah. She made everything a big deal for everyone else. But I know that her mission was to be brief. I, I know it. And she fulfilled it like a real champion. And it's been an honor. To be a part of it. And I think that's why we're able to be in the position that we're in because it does feel like we were asked to do something hard because God, our heavenly parents knew we could do it. And this isn't like, Hey, we're special people, but we were asked to do something special. I learned how to love unconditionally because of her. When she first got sick in trouble 10 years ago, I was so afraid for her and her eternal future. And I was afraid for our family because at the time I was too naive to understand the depths of the Savior's reach. Mm -hmm. And his sacrifice for literally everybody. But because of all the things we had to go through, we had to go through. Mm -hmm. And every single one taught me more and taught us more and more and more and more about what we now know that we never hope for or pray for anymore because we know. Mm -hmm. And that is that everybody will have a chance to be made whole. Mm -hmm. Everybody. And she's being made whole and she's feeling love and acceptance and joy, true joy for the first time in her life, in her existence. And you guys have had some moments where you felt, you felt that, would I call it a confirmation sense? Yeah. Yeah. No question. We've never been closer as a couple and we've had a pretty good marriage. I think, <laughs> but I never imagined we could be this close. Yeah. Like I, I didn't realize I could be more in love with her today than 28 years ago. But like, I know her soul now, the depths of who she is and, and she to me. Well, and I think there's something spiritual about suffering together okay talk about that because I, I appreciate that because i feel like so many people will go and and bless their heart but they they withdraw or retreat right during these and times. i can see how yeah could be mad that if he wasn't grieving the way i am exactly or, yeah or remembering her in a different way yeah. i am yeah. would be hurtful or whatever but i feel like i feel like we have just been blessed with 
I think it's because we both know the pain. Mm-hmm. We have been there all along, step by step by step. And he'd mentioned he did shield some stuff for me, which mm-hmm. I actually appreciate. I never wish to know everything. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I knew enough. But I think because we had gone through all of the hard and all of the good and all of the hard and all of the good over and over and over, I just feel like, I do feel like there was a, a, a spiritual gift, I guess is the best word, for us to just feel the closest we ever had. And I'm like him. I feel like we were close before and we had been, we'd been through enough hard things. You know, we lost our Isabel. We, you know, our other kids had struggled in different ways. And so we knew struggle. We knew hardness. But of course, this is like next level. Mm. And I think we found solace in each other and... Then there was there were moments where we were like, "Where are you? When are you coming home?" Yeah. Literally, couldn't be apart from each other for more than yeah, like an hour. It wow. just felt very, uh, I don't know, almost a desperate need for each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just needed each other all the time, turn, and not in a toward, needy way, yes. turning toward each other, but in a needing way. And you know what yeah, I mean? Like no, it wasn't like that, a desperate. Pretend like pretend I said that because I like that. Like I always say, Duff. <laughs> it's not in a what I say again. A needy way, and not in a needing way. In a needing, that's way. what I always say, right? We we didn't feel needy; we just needed each other, no, I like yeah. you know. But authentically, like wanted each other too, and still do. But some of it we can't describe and explain. Yeah. yeah. Some of it I know that we did intentionally, and some of it is just we were blessed. The, yeah, absolutely. Just There's the no other the, word. the miracle of the atonement and. Can, uh, can I throw my own stuff in here for a second, too? Yeah. yeah. I feel like you both do a nice job, whether you know it or not, of giving each other the benefit of the doubt of how you're feeling or what you're thinking. Because I feel like that is where so many other couples make a lot of meaning off of what their spouse says or does. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of ju- you know judgment. Like I think what you were saying here, why did he say that? Or why isn't he grieving this way? Or why right. didn't he do this? Right. And I feel like you guys both really give each other the benefit of the and, doubt. And I do feel like there were times, like, in the beginning, like, I, I remember Duff saying stuff like, I am so happy for her. Okay. Like, right after she passed away, he's like, I am so happy. And were you... Were, and I remember thinking, I get you. I get it. And I remember thinking... And there were a few times where I'm like, stop saying that. It's yeah. just only in my yeah. head, like... No, that's, too, I can't say that yet, yeah. you know? And that's okay for you to not, but yes. I like what you're saying about not, but I he could doesn't say, need to I, stop. I understand yeah. Yeah, what yeah. you're saying and I understand what you're feeling, but I, I wasn't there yet. Yeah. I wasn't able to say, you know. And, no, you that's, know. that's, and I appreciate that because that's where I feel like people start managing each other's right. emotions to make Pointing themselves feel better. And, and I think yeah. that I was able to say that so quickly because of what I knew. Yeah. You know, like, and I didn't know everything, but I knew Plenty. You knew the extent of her pain. And what I knew was more than enough. Yeah. You know? Well, and Um, I said in her funeral, I said this, which is still up, I think, on my page, the link, but I said, and I told you this as well, I said, it was so interesting because I had gone back to listen to it and Uh not realized I had said things that I needed to hear. I like that. Which was very interesting to me because I didn't, I it wasn't intentional. Mind? I mean, I only had a few notes written down yeah. and I just went with what I knew needed to be said. Yeah. And I just remember saying that she was so broken. Yeah. She had so many broken parts that she couldn't fix, you know, that we couldn't fix, mm-hmm. which is like extremely, that's one of the hardest things. Don't you think as a parent is like, can't, I can't 
fix your brokenness. Yeah. Even though I know how broken you are. Yeah. But I wanted so badly to take her pain away. Absolutely. I wanted so badly. And so that I think where, well, and I will follow up with, I do feel like the savior can make her whole mm-hmm. and is making her whole. Mm-hmm. He that, is. And that it brings so much peace, so much peace. And that's, I think where a lot of our solace comes from that we know she couldn't repair herself. We think there was no yeah. hope. Wasn't sounds gonna, horrible. No, but there wasn't going to be the the next. It wasn't the next rehab or the we next. We just didn't it, think the, that the, there was the extent yeah. of her experiences. I'll just keep it. Yeah. At that. Yeah. Was too much for mm-hmm. anybody. Any, even the strongest. Person. I don't care how committed you turn yeah. to God and how, like you. There's You're no way. Human. There's human still for sure. And we couldn't either. So that's where a lot of our solace comes from is, is now she is whole. Now she is happy. She is. Yeah. And okay, she's let's, uh, let's see if we can maybe get a couple of snorts out. So any, <laughs> any, I don't know. I, we had a, I thought a very fun conversation at one point where it was like, bless everybody's heart for what they were, yeah, how they trying were Trying to do. Yeah. So what was, yeah. what would you remember? What were some things like that were happening there? I think what I didn't understand that was going to be difficult was that people would bring their broken parts to me. Yeah. And I didn't understand that. Like in trying to come and help me, they were bringing their brokenness to me, their sadness, their, their sorrows. And that felt very unfair. Like there were moments Mm -hmm. where I was like, we were consoling so many people. That's what exactly. Instead of our, like I remember at the funeral saying, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, it, it, like sobbing in my arms, like, look, it's going to be fine. And, and being like, wait a minute, isn't this supposed to be the other way around? Yeah. Like, how are we championing so many and people? And you were better about that. You were better about giving that person grace. Like right away you were able, and it took me some time to be like, really to listen. What I needed to hear was you're asking for grace to be consoled in your grief. Mm-hmm. These guys need grace because they're broken. Yeah. That's that's why they are acting this way. And but yeah. there were moments where I was like, but it's not fair. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to do this right now. I don't yeah. I don't have the mental capacity. I don't have the physical strength. I don't have that right now, but I do feel like that was a lesson I needed to learn for sure. Was like people are broken. Yeah. And and it doesn't matter when and what part of your life and your story you still need to show them grace you need to give them and myself yeah when i screw up and say you know when i show them judgment in my mind yes to death that, we're yes. talking i need to show them grace and myself at the same time and be like i, feel like it's I messed up you yeah know? well it's hard in that moment but you can look at everything becomes an opportunity for you to self-reflect or self-confront yeah so if, if somebody is telling you how much this hurts them Right. You know, then I, okay, I can, I can sit with that a little bit and say, oh man, that would be really difficult if they are unable to give, give, yeah, give, give me the empathy or because I don't know, maybe that's going to be too hard for them. Cause if I start getting upset, then they won't know what to do with that. Or yeah, right. I think that can get tricky. And that's where I go back to the, the people that say at least, Uh, and even if, right. at, At least when my daughter was hurt, it was like, well, at least she's alive. Well, it's yeah. like, okay, we already know that part, but yeah. this all stinks. That or if it was like, it well, better. at least she's in a better place or, right. but well, yeah, but I don't want to be Well, I learned when my mom passed 10 years ago, people tried to say all the cliche things. Yeah. I learned quickly to stop them and say, I know what would help me. Tell me something you loved about my mom. There you go. I like that. Tell me an experience maybe, or a memory that maybe I don't know or remind me or whatever. And that actually was helpful yeah. was to hear things about my mother. So here we are different, you know, yeah. boss. Yeah. 
So I was already in, I was already in practice, you know, and I was, I wouldn't let people give me the cliche, Mm -hmm. you know, and again, it's about them not knowing what to say. We would say, look, we get it. We don't know what to say either. Yeah. We're sorry too. Yeah. Yeah. How about you tell us what you loved about her? Mm -hmm. And that's actually really helpful. It's, it brings up emotion. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's easy to hear because, you know, sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Like, uh, yeah. but it's still so much more authentic and real than at least she's not suffering anymore. Like no poop. She's not right. Like, but, duh. But we did hear a few stories we didn't know, which was really nice. And that's well, the other thing because is because of that. So yeah, that was really that good. good. And people yeah. would show up kind of come out of the woodwork like, oh my gosh, we didn't even know that you were her friend. Oh. We didn't know that she did that for you mm. or that left Those you little nice, notes. Right. And, very nice. Yeah. I like what you were saying. And it, again, bless everybody's heart, but somebody hearing this, if they <laughs> are going to go be there for somebody through training. Hey, the two people listening, right? <laughs> oh, God, dare you? I said you have no idea, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought no, we were I'm trying gonna, to make I'm them snort again. Your, oh, that's a good point. All right. I can see that. <laughs> All right. But that's why I feel like the people that don't want to sit with that uncomfortable feeling, right. not knowing what to say. Yeah. It's okay to just say, I don't know what to say. And yeah. I am so sorry. And I am here. And I like what you're saying. And here's a story I know. And if I don't know a story, don't make one up. Just tell me what you loved about it. Like, we kind of joke about that. That was the other thing that I think. Oh, number five. (laughs) I think that was the other thing that I was going to touch on is when people made the relationship with her more than it was. I was that was hard for me. That was really hard for me because obviously we have such depth and so many memories and so much history with because she's ours. She's ours. And so when people would say, "I felt this way," or "We had this," Mm -hmm. when. I knew it wasn't the case. Yeah. That was very, very difficult for me. Yeah. And I, I didn't correct them. Yeah. I don't fix it, but that would be my other advice is don't make the relationship yeah. different than what it really was. Yeah. To try to make this person feel better for yes, some reason. Yeah. Or yourself. Or yourself. Yeah. And that's it, it's, I think it's yeah. more selfish yeah. than anything. And I appreciate there were people in her life that there was a little falling out and someone came to the funeral and she apologized right away and said, I feel so bad mm-hmm. that we didn't fix it. I'm like, no, please mm-hmm. don't. But that was authentic. Boy, that, was. that was sweet yeah. to hear. That wasn't hurtful. That wasn't, that didn't seem like too much at the time. I just was like, thank you for saying that, but right. you don't need to. At least you were real. Like yeah. that, like yeah. I appreciate that. So I, that's, I guess would I like be that. the number one is yeah. just be real, yeah. be real with what the relationship was. And I think that would be helpful yeah. in healing and grieving. And then that, okay. I appreciate you guys sharing the story. I mean, I feel like there's yeah. so much there that mm-hmm. yeah, there between, is. I can't imagine what that would have been like for all of the years. We talked about the, everything pornography and shame and we don't know what we don't know and we're trying our best and you guys still stayed together throughout that time mm-hmm. got stronger somehow yeah. yeah this is the cliche to maybe at the end but i mean anything that you would share i don't want to do the any advice you would give because no one can ever anticipate anything yeah. like this but i don't know maybe it's about the way that you guys show up together or i don't know anything that you want any parting thoughts sure what's difficult is what worked for us Probably doesn't mean it's going to work for anybody else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Most likely. And everybody's history and DNA makeup and, and flaws and experiences attribute to all just the way we all mm-hmm. kind of experience life and tragedy and success and highs, lows, all that kind of stuff. If I could wave a wand though for people, and I mean everybody. Is to know that it's going to be okay. Mm. And if that sounds cliche, I don't care. But what we've been through 
not just the horrific experiences, but I mean, she broke the law multiple times. I actually had her arrested once because she was high in her car and I didn't want her to like hit anybody. (laughs) And harmed her body frequently over and over and over and over. It doesn't matter. And I'm so glad that I understand now that I will never, ever, ever care what someone does with their own life because it's their life. Mm. And ultimately know that the savior literally makes it right with everybody. And I don't know if that means some people have to work harder at some point or less or get more grace, but we all get the grace that we need. And I need just as much as the next guy. My kid and everyone's children are champions of heavenly parents. And that's who they belong to. I know that. And we, we were blessed and honored to be temporarily her guardians and her parents mortally. Mm. But ultimately, she belongs to them. And we'll see her again in a state that will be glorified and perfect. And it's hard to fathom and it's hard to understand. But I know it. Mm. And I wouldn't have known this without this experience and the years of it too. Mm -hmm. Like all of it led up to this and the things that we now feel about our, our other children. Yeah. Right. Our other girls and everybody's family is flawed Mm -hmm. and crazy and Mm -hmm. weird and goofy and strange, but awesome. (laughs) Exactly the way our heavenly parents intended. Yeah. And Emma taught us how to love those that are not easy to love. And I don't mean her. We were introduced to a lot of different types of people because of her choices and her experiences. And I wouldn't trade anything for this. Mm. I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't redo it. I wouldn't. I don't want a second chance. Yeah. Because her mission was she had a very intentional mission. And while we're, while we were going through it, we didn't really understand it or realize it. But now that we now understand it, it's like, it's clear. Yeah. And the, and the eternal clarity that we have, that I have, it couldn't be more clear. And I know some families don't know yet still, even though they've been through something similar because we've had discussions with them and we go away with it and thinking, oh my gosh, I feel so sad. Mm -hmm. They're still worried for their kid yeah. and he's great. And yet they don't know that. So they have this ongoing strife and struggle and worry and, and even fear still that we don't have, that we don't yeah. have. Yeah. like we don't have. And so I couldn't be more grateful, Yeah, you know, and I know for a lot of people, it's hard to hear. It's hard to understand. I sometimes hesitate being honest with people because I know it's too much Yeah, in some cases. I appreciate though. I mean, I, I believe I love that from a spiritual standpoint, from a therapy standpoint. I mean, so many people then start to ruminate and beat themselves up and why and what happened and why couldn't I have, but here's this opportunity to just now start to be more 
love you. But we also don't say, hey, you're wrong. Yeah. (laughs) We just kind of go, yeah, we love you. (laughs) Right? Right? Okay. I'm going to let you guys get to that pot roast. I just wanted to add one thing. It's prime rib, by the way. Okay. Okay. It's going to be good. Yes. Is I think she also taught us how to love unconditionally. Like he's saying love Shoot, people I meant hard. It was no, I loved what you said, <laughs> but it, it also helped us just love our kids regardless. Love yes. your kids. Like it's, it, it was easier for us to be like, oh, you made that choice that wasn't the great that I wouldn't choose and I didn't want that for you, but guess what? I still love you. That's and so huge. we did learn that which we are immensely grateful for that whatever happens with our children, we love them, love them no matter what. Yeah. 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 No, I, I love that. And I feel like that message got through a lot today. And that, well, yeah. I'll tell you a spe- specific experience and then we'll yeah. end and then I'll let you go. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So her first treatment program. Okay. We hadn't seen her talk to her for six weeks, but other than the one phone call, I got a letter from her and it was like three pages of I'm doing great and, da, 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 and I'm so sorry. And I love you. And you know, and it was like, I read it at work and I was sobbing. And I finished reading the letter and I felt this like intense, and I mean intense love and adoration for her. And it was really confusing in the moment because I was like, but I'm sad and I'm disappointed and I'm kind of angry and I'm worried and I'm scared and I'm bugged and I'm broke. And I'm, why do I feel this intense love for this kid? And it was probably the first time in my life that I felt unconditional love. Uh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized what unconditional love felt like. It was different. It was so different. Because it's easy to love when things are going good. Oh, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. When your yes. kids are doing yes. straight A's and, you know, college this and marriage where you want them to and, you know, going to have the grandkids. It's easy to love people like that. And I realized that had she gone 40 years of struggle and trial and horrific things and bad choices and whatever... Had she come home and I'm 90 and knock on my door saying, can I come home? A hundred percent, you're coming home. Yeah. And I knew that, that day. That day, that you, that was. And that was my first like, duff, that's what unconditional love actually is. Mm. That's when it started. And it doesn't mean we do it all the time. No, but that, but now. That I mean, is, that I do. The, that is the, the goal. But, but at least. I, we, but I do. <laughs> I, I caught that. But at least we know. Yeah. Without. Speaking the words. Yeah. You don't just say it. Yeah. So I just got the leg squeeze, which means I need to stop talking. <laughs> hey, uh, thank you so much, you guys. And I w- would imagine maybe we'll do a follow-up because I'll probably get some nice feedback from the two people listening. Yeah. Tough. How uh, many followers do you have? The podcast right now is at about, I think, seven, eight million downloads. So yeah, each, uh, each episode's 20. Hey, John, <laughs> Carol. Yeah. We'll t- 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 okay. So the other thing is we're completely open books. Okay. We, <laughs> we don't hold anything back. So... At this point, yeah, so people, they, it's kind of like, questions. hey, yeah. at the least we could do is help somebody else. I mean, maybe that's part yeah. of it. Maybe what we're supposed to do is also help yeah. somebody else. So I'll see if the both of the people listening have questions. <laughs> <laughs> Submit them. I'm not. You're not supposed to laugh. <laughs> 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 Thanks, you guys. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind. It's and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter most
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.